0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at BethanyNaz.org. Very special season of the year and the season is what we call Lent. It's a time to remember, it's a time to reflect, it's a time to repent, it's a time to be thankful and we challenge everybody during this time of the year don't let it pass you by. We've created a little journal that you will find out in the foyer, and it's just everywhere on every table, not hard to find. I encourage you to take one with you today. And and here's the challenge. Take a break from the busyness, create some space, and walk with Jesus over these next 40 days in His journey to the cross. You know, you, you may say, well, I, you know, I know the story. I know that Easter's coming, and and I'll celebrate then. Let me tell you, Easter will have new and fresh meaning if you take some time to involve yourselves in some of the practices that are suggested here as you move toward that day that we celebrate. First, we move to the cross. And so um, there are several different possibilities for you, and uh, I I, I think this year I'm going to take maybe one of these practices a week and maybe do six practices over the next six weeks. And so however it works best for you, but I have learned in these last few months of my life how helpful journaling can be. And so there's some pages here for you to journal, or you might want to purchase your own journal. But I'm writing every morning about a few areas in my life where I'm focused on practices. And so I challenge you to get involved in that way. Well, let me, let me move into the sermon. We're on a series... Uh, about what we believe and today we're talking about the church so look at you just look around you've made a decision this morning to come and be a part of a gathering of people and that gathering of people is what we refer to as the church we don't refer to the building as the church as much but this is where we gather together and the church is here when we all show up together and so one of the questions that i would want to start with this morning is so what is it that you believe about the church and there may be a few people in the room that would say Pastor Rick what if I don't know what I believe about the church and so that's why we're going to take some time this morning to talk about what it is that we do believe about the church so let me first go to the article of faith in the manual in the church of the Nazarene this is just our official statement the statement is quite long I'm reading you a condensed version only a summary but we believe in the church Now, think about these next two words. The community. Again, when we talk about the church, we're not talking about a building. We're talking about a gathering of people. So the word community makes a lot of sense. We believe in the church, the community, that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. Look at the next three words. The covenant people. Again, not a building, but a gathering of people. The covenant people of God made new in Christ. And finally... The body of Christ, meaning people who are called together by the Holy Spirit through the Word. Now, when you think about this gathering of people, and you can look around and see this gathering here this morning, one of these gatherings, you realize that when Jesus talked about who gets to be a part of this body of Christ, He uses a word, and the word is whoever. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him... Well, wait a minute. When you say whoever, what do you mean by whoever? I think He means whoever. Well, what about race? Oh, yeah, that's not an issue. Every race is welcome. Well, what about, you mean the color of the skin is not an, not an issue at all? Every ethnic group gets invited to this. Whoever. Well, what about politics? doesn't really matter what your political stance is. You're invited to be a part of this. Whoever believes. Well, what about the kind of economics you come from? I mean, what kind of people are we talking about here? Which neighborhoods are these people coming from? doesn't matter which neighborhood you're coming from. It's whoever. This is what the body of Christ looks like. What about age? Age is not a factor. What about education? Education is not a factor. Whoever believes. That's the people who make up the body of Christ. Christ. So although we are very different, what we learn through God's Word today is that in the body of Christ, different does not mean divided. You like that? Diversity does not equal division. In the body of Christ, just because we're different from each other, that doesn't mean we are divided, or just because we are a diverse group doesn't equal division. In fact, diversity and different in the body of Christ means unity. So, there's this awesome passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul does something brilliant by choosing a metaphor. And he talks about the body of Christ. So if you would open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I've got some exciting stuff to share with you. Now, Paul was a missionary, and he travels to a city called Corinth, and he plants a church, and the church is growing. What he learns a few years later is that the church has some serious issues. There is division in the church over lots of things. And so what he does in this letter, one of the things he does is addresses these divisions, okay? And so when you get to chapter 12, he starts talking about, you know, the fact that, you know, there are different spiritual gifts. Again, let's think about diversity, okay? Uh, You have some gifts, I have other gifts, So, we understand what he means by spiritual gifts, right? He says, actually in verse 1, now about spiritual gifts. That's that's how he starts chapter 1. Now about spiritual gifts. So, uh, how many of you would say, I have the gift, Rick, of hospitality? Just raise your hand really high, would you? I see a lot of hands going up. Your your gift is hospitality. Could you have me over? Do you mind? I, I love it when people just have me over and just take care of me, you know? How many of you would say, I have the gift of service? Uh, I'm not bragging. It's a gift. It's something God did in me. I, I don't take any credit for it. But, yeah, just give me a place. It could be a backroom washing pans. pants. I don't care. But I can serve. Just raise your hand. This is a gift that you have. Okay. You can put your hands down. How many of you have the gift of teaching? You'd say, I'm a teacher. I teach. If you are employed as a teacher or a prof and you're not raising your hand, you should consider another line of work. Okay? Give those people a break. <laughs> but many of you have the gift of teaching. And that's, that's what you do. So he says, you know... Now about spiritual gifts. Lots of gifts, okay? And then he comes to this conclusion in verse 11. The Spirit has distributed them, meaning spiritual gifts, to each one as He determines. You don't pick your own gifts. God decides which gifts you receive. Wow. Because there are times that there are certain gifts I wish I had. I wish I had the gift of evangelism. But I don't sense that I have that gift. And so I have to work really hard to share my faith with people because I'm still called to share my faith. But I've got friends here. They have the gift of evangelism. So when we get to verse 12, you ready? Here's what Paul says. Now, just as a body. Now, what's he mean by that? Well, he's talking about a physical body. He's using a metaphor. So I have a body. Right here we go. That's what he's talking about, a person's body. Uh, Just as a body, though one, so you only see one body here, right, Uh, has many parts. So what does he mean by that? Well, he means, you know, just... Lots of parts on this body of mine, and a lot of them are just very visible. Let's just point out those that are just most apparent. So there's hands, there's arms, there's feet, there's legs, uh, there are protruding muscles almost everywhere. Um, just, just focus on the things that you just readily see, okay? That's what I'm talking about here. Just, just as a body, though one, has many parts, you see all the parts... But all its many parts form one body. That's simple enough, right? You got it. So, metaphor, you ready? So it is with Christ. The body of Christ. I love this. For we are all baptized by one spirit. You never know when Paul's makes the metaphors. And I wonder, is he talking about this baptism that gains us entrance to become a member of the body? Or is he talking about only the Spirit's baptism, but both occur, so you always are trying to figure them out. So as to form one body, whether Jews, oh, there's diversity, or Gentiles, or slaves, or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink to sustain us, even so the body is not made up of one part, and now he's really talking about gifts, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. You're not really laughing, so I'll stop doing that. (laughs) It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, now that's really comical when you think about it, a big old eyeball rolling around up here on the platform. (laughs) Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Wow. I mean, you've got to dwell there for a minute. But God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, one body. One more paragraph. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that we are unpresentable, rather, like the parts that we cover up even at a beach, are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Now, I love these words. But God has put the body together. So he's talking about the physical body, but he's also talking about the church. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is... Honored, every part rejoices with it. Now look at this last sentence. Now, you, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. Boy. They tell us that uh, this, this body that we, that we live in is made up of 369 muscles. 207 bones, did you know you had 207 bones? That's a stack of bones, isn't it? 78 organs, get this, 6 pounds of skin, not to mention cartilage and ligaments and arteries and veins and blood and fat, did I mention fat? Fat. Fat. And some of these bodies even come fully equipped with a brain. <laughs> All right, now here I am, okay? So I'm standing right here. And here's what I'm going to do in just a moment. You're going to watch something amazing take place, okay, with the human body. Everything working together to accomplish this. I'm going to turn around and land behind me is a cell phone. I'm going to pick up that cell phone, and I'm going to come back and stand here with it. You ready? One, two, three. Watch this. Actually, that cell phone was in my pocket. I thought it was in my Start over. Here we go. Pick up the cell phone. There it is. Now, when you think about it, do you know what had to happen to make that happen? Do you understand how many parts of my body had to be functioning together? First of all, my heart had to be pumping blood, which means I had to be breathing. The whole respiratory process just blows my mind. Muscles and ligaments had to be working together. Neurons in the central nervous system had to be firing, telling me what to move and when. Joints were moving. All of that was happening just because I turned around and did this. So I think it's an amazing analogy. Paul is saying, so there are many parts in the body, many, many parts in the body, and they are all working together, but just one body. And he says, so that's how it is with the body of Christ. Think about all the different parts. And in this room this morning, there's about 13 or 1,400 parts sitting right in front of me. But yet, all of these parts, when they work together, we accomplish the mission that God has called us to accomplish. And we know what the mission is. We want to help people become more like Jesus, and we want to help people come to know Jesus, right? But it takes, Paul says, all of us doing what we are gifted to do to make that happen. Now, think about this. Here at Bethany First Church, in a given week, we need just over 700 volunteers just to make one week happen. Are you blown away by that? In one week here, we need 700 volunteers just to make one week happen. A lot of that is heavily concentrated in children's and youth ministries, but there are many ministries. That's why we desperately need you to be a volunteer. We need that. So when you think about how the body of Christ functions, and all of these people who are volunteering are using their gifts, whether it's service or helps or administration or hospitality or teaching or whatever your gift might be, it's all of those gifts working together to help us achieve what God has called us to achieve. Now, let's, let's think a little bit, okay, together. Now, we're, we're different from one another. And I know that you know that, but some of us are very outgoing. And some of us are very introverted. Some of us really get energy from being in large groups of people. And some of us really get drained by being in large groups of people, right? Right? Some of us are very methodical, very analytical. Some of us just kind of, can we make it fly? That's our motto in life, you know. I mean, some of us are very neat and organized. Some of us function much better when things are kind of scattered. We're just all very different. So I, I, I went to Cincinnati over Thanksgiving with Morgan and Annette, my daughter Morgan, my wife Annette. And, and Morgan had us to do this Enneagram. When we got to Cincinnati, we were with my other daughter, Brittany, and my son-in-law, Tim. And if you're new here this morning, I have a granddaughter named Sadie. I'm not talking to those of you who hang around all the time. I'm talking to the guests, okay? They didn't know. I don't want them to be robbed of knowing about Sadie. So. But Morgan had us all do this Enneagram, this personality thing. It's kind of becoming popular. It's kind of this thing that's gotten this new energy. And people are writing books about it and podcasts. And we spent a lot of time learning a lot about each other. And I realized how different we all are. Now, we already knew that. And Paul says, well, let's talk about other differences in the body of Christ. Let's talk about ethnic backgrounds. Some of you are Jews, but some of you aren't. Some of you are raised with different worldviews, different understandings of God. I mean, we come from different paths, he's saying. Some are slaves, some are free. I mean, this is way beyond just economic status. I mean, think about how different we all are. And then he throws into the mix this other issue where we have differences, and that is that God has gifted us all differently. I do not have the same gifts as Seth and Seth does not have the same gifts that I have. And so now it just gets a little more complicated. So here we're going to zero in. You ready? Here's the conversation that started happening in the church in Corinth. You have gifts. I don't have. I have gifts. You don't have. But here's where the conversation went. I think there are some gifts that appear to be better or maybe more important. And therefore, some people may be a little more important. Because that's where that conversation always goes. And we kind of scratch our heads and say, I don't get it. What's their deal? But we get it. In fact, we get it really well. Because there have been times when we have looked at others and said, I kind of wish I had that gift. I just want to stand up with a voice like Harlan's one day and say, Hello, I'm Harlan Moore. You know, I just, I wish I could sing like Harlan. You follow me, right? You look at other people and you say, Wow, what would it be like to have that gift? I would like to have the gift. Or sometimes on the other side of that conversation, we look at others who don't have our gifts and say, What's their deal? Why don't they just do this? I mean, it comes perfectly natural for me. It's not hard. With no idea at all that that's how we are gifted, and we can take no more credit than that, than we can take for our own personal good looks, right? It's a gift. This is something God has given me. Or we tend to devalue gifts that are more behind the scenes. And we tend to look at other people wondering, are you really making a contribution at all? And when you think about how ludicrous this kind of thinking is, it's kind of funny. In fact, Paul thinks it's funny. I mean, if we were all leaders, we wouldn't have any followers. Or if we were all big dream, big picture kind of people, where would the nuts and bolts people be to finally get something actually done, right? And so Paul uses this line, I mean, what if the whole body were an eye? I mean, I think he's being comical. I mean, if you can see just a big eye rolling around well, where would the sense of hearing be? Do you understand that we all play a vital role in this thing? I mean, you, you've come into church today, right? And you, and you see the singers up here, and it was awesome today to worship together. And you see the ushers take the offering, you see the pastor. Have you seen the sound man today? Do you know what an important role the sound man plays? Do you understand if the sound man wanted... It's a very different place, right? <laughs> I mean, you think about all the people who are up in that crow's nest this morning. And I meet with them every morning and I pray with them. What an important role they play. And they have gifts I don't have. So, that's where the writer is going with the conversation. <clears> hmm. <throat> My, uh, my wife, Annette, had this little deal going on back a few months ago where uh, we learned that she had a tumor in her um, parathyroid gland. Now, I'm going to just confess and tell you I didn't know she had a parathyroid, parathyroid gland. Um, parathyroid gland, I'm sorry. And, uh, and it has nothing to do with the thyroid. It's just called that because it's located near the thyroid. Well, it, it regulates calcium throughout your whole body. And so my wife was in trouble. She was, she was not well. She was a mess. And, uh, and this one little simple surgery, and surgeries are always simple when they're happening to somebody else, uh, fully corrected the issue. It just took care of it. I mean, within weeks, she was back to normal. Paul says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. Because like the physical body, all the parts of the body need each other. In the body of Christ, we are not independent. We are interdependent. I need you. We need each other. He doesn't say it, but it's implied that in the church there are also no Lone Rangers. In a world where individualism is so highly valued, it's not the way we function in the body of Christ. And a person who says, you know, I love Jesus and I follow Him, but I've got nothing to do with any other Christians of the church in any way. You cannot reconcile that with Scripture. We depend on each other. Let, let, let me give you a little bit of rest, too, okay? There's something here that I think is beautiful. And what is beautiful is simply this, that you can rest in the fact that the Spirit is at work in your life giving you the gifts he desires you to have and you have all the gifts that you need and are being given all the gifts that you need to be the person that God is calling you to be and to do what God is calling you to do let, let, let me show you this verse one more time okay but in fact God has placed the parts in the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be God has made you how He has wanted you. He has gifted you how He has wanted you to be gifted. And you can rest in the fact that God is building in me all that I need to be and to do what He wants me to be and to do. God Himself packed your bag. God Himself made you ready for what He wants you to accomplish. I take great peace in that. So let me, let me see if I can dream with you a little bit. And that and I uh, got up early Thursday morning and um, we got a text from a friend that attended a church we pastored years, a few years ago. While we were there serving as her pastor and her family, they moved. Guess where they moved? Um, Parkland. Parkland. Florida. Is that the name of the town? That's where they moved. And so she sent us this text and she said, Please pray for us. And she was talking about the school shooting that occurred where a young man murdered 17 people the day before. She said, My son was actually outside when the shooting started, heard the shots saw the shooter and immediately texted me in the midst of it all, Mom, please pray. I just prayed that God would forgive me of any sins and that He would help me. My daughter, she said, was in a cubicle and heard the shots and hunkered down with classmates and teachers in that cubicle. She said, I tried yesterday to be as strong as I could be for my kids, but this morning I've come undone. I have friends that have lost their children. We know some of the adults who lost their lives. And then she just called out, please, please pray for all of us. We desperately need your prayers. Now, I know her, and I know what she was saying. She was saying... I'm a member of this body of Christ. And we are suffering. And I know that when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And that you will pray for us and you will hurt with us and you will identify with us and you will care for us and you will walk with us during this time because we are all part of the same body. And this analogy that Paul uses, you know, how many of you have had the flu? A lot of you have had the flu. You get the flu, well, we know it's influenza, we know it's this respiratory attack, but we know that also the whole body aches when you have the flu, right? And that's what Paul is saying, it's this analogy. And so it is with the body of Christ. When one suffers, everybody suffers. But, but, but on the other side, when one celebrates, then everybody celebrates. Because we are all one. And different doesn't mean Division. So I was talking with Abby and Michael Brobson the other day, and she said, you know, after my surgery, a few friends called and said they wanted to come to the hospital and pray. And she said they didn't know that I would be able to go down to the chapel for the prayer, but I was able to. And So Michael and I went down. We were not prepared for what we saw when we got there. We're expecting a handful of friends and there were over a hundred people crowded in to pray for me. You know? I stood at the hospital bedside of a guy named Rick yesterday. I wonder went surgery. And he wanted to tell me how overwhelmed he has been with the way the church has responded to him and his wife during this time. And as he tried to say it, his voice broke and his lips began to quiver and he stopped because he was so moved by the fact that when one member of the body suffers, the whole body gathers around to identify. I often just shake my head and say to Annette, what do people do when they don't have the church? You know? So, last thing I have to say. But I don't don't have words to tell you how important it is for me to say this to you and for you to hear it. We talk a lot about being passionate about helping people come to know Jesus. I think I'm becoming more passionate. I believe God's working in my heart. I care deeply about those people. I would go so far as to say I I love those people, people I've not yet met even. But I had a revelation the other day in a sense, an epiphany in a sense. I was visiting with some pastors and I was just listening. It's hard to believe, but it's true for a moment. I was just listening. And here's what I realized. As much as I love those people who have not yet come, I don't love those people more than I love you. And God doesn't call me to love one group more. Jesus calls me to love my neighbor. You're my neighbor too. You're important to me. And I desperately need you in my life. And God has used many of you to help me become more like Jesus. And many of you have walked with me when I needed a brother or a sister to walk with me. Do I love the people who have not yet come? Yes. But I don't love them any more than I love you. And I'm not called to. You're important to me. And I need you. And we need each other desperately. Did you hear me? I just want to be sure you heard me.